You are now experiencing the roller coaster known as country music. Sit back, relax, keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times, fasten your seat belts, and be sure to tip your waiters and waitresses. Now, without further ado, your guides, Ryan and Jordan. This is the Country Music Critic. Well, on this episode, we're taking a little bit of break from the 90s kick, I feel like. <laughs> That's because I did the research on this one. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Although, I was very close, folks. You was about to have the fourth 90s artist in a row. Yeah. Speaking of the 90s, did you see that video that I sent you? Which of the 40? Well, <laughs> it was recently when you were on your way. There's know. this girl who breaks it down, and she's like, in the 90s, there was tons of record labels, and they were all competing against stuff worth competing for. I mean, it was solid, healthy music, and those artists come from a different breed of being poor. Right. And there wasn't as many major record labels who just bought up the ar- the artists. Like that, there is now. Yeah, there was a lot of mom-and-pop radio stations Yeah. that you had to get in a tour bus or a van, go to, and ask them to play the music. Instead of just making a deal and having 180 radio stations agreeing to do that one song, you actually earned it back then. So they made sure that the music was presentable. That explains it. I mean, that's... It makes so much sense. That's a lot healthier way to do it. Yeah. And now you have all these huge record companies just go and just buy everybody up. And then you have you know, very few artists actually stand up and are like, no, I'm not signing with you. Like, yeah, Mr. Upchurch. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Well, and also, um, there is times when record labels will make a deal with an artist to keep them on the shelf so they're not competition. Have you heard of that? Yeah. I've heard a that little is so bit about shitty. It. Yeah. But the one that we're talking about this week, I have some other things to cover, but we're talking about somebody who is a true talented musician. Yeah. He's more so a musician than a, a singer. singer per se, but I mean he I mean he sings, but Yeah. And in, in my thoughts, we'll get to it, but he's country. Oh yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, you're gonna be hard pressed to find a, a better picker than this guy. When I think of country music, I think of him. I do not think of what's on the radio right now. Right. You know. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of that, so the Grammys were announced, and I'm not sure on the date. I know it's next year, but here are your nominees for the best country album: Luke Combs, Miranda Lambert, Ashley. McBride. I'm so excited to see that name. And that was for um, her new album. By the way, we need to do just a review on her new album. Marin Morris, Humble Quest. Willie Nelson is in the bunch. 
That is awesome. <laughs> Best country solo performance. Kelsey Ballerina for Heart First. Something in the Orange by Zach Bryan. Wow. Is in the Grammy nomination. I mean, I think it should be. But he wasn't at the CMAs. Well. <laughs> in His Arms by Miranda Lambert. Circle This Town by Marin Morris. Live Forever by Willie Nelson. Now, the best country duo slash group, Sam Hunt and uh, Ingrid Anders. Did I mm -hmm. say it right? Ingrid and Anders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for Wishful Drinking. Midnight Rider's Prayer, Brother Osborne. Outrunning Your Memory with Luke Combs and Miranda Lambert. Does He Love You? Revisited by Reba McIntyre and Dolly Parton. Never Wanted to Be That Girl by the lovely Carly Pierce and Ashley McBride. Going Where the Lonely Go, Robert Plant and Allison Krauss. Do you know who Robert Plant is? I do have a comment on that. Okay. Do you so know who Robert I, Plant is, though? No. But really? I remember getting out of high school. He'd done the same thing before. He did this massive duet with a country artist, and it was all over the radio, but it wasn't good enough because I don't remember it. I don't. I, who is he? He was one of the original members of Led Zeppelin. Oh. Like, I mean, a singer or a guitar player? A little bit of both. No, actually, I think he, he was the... Wasn't he the drummer? I don't know what Robert Plant was. I'm going to look it up. It's been... I used to be... Like, I used to listen to you know, Led Zeppelin a lot. I can't name a song. I mean, I know the band, and I, I if you played a song and said, this is Led Zeppelin, I probably heard it. But I, I honestly could not name a song right now to save my life. Oh, man, Black Dog. There's a thousand songs. <laughs> I love Black Dog the most. Uh, Stairway to Heaven, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, whole lot of love. That's them. Stairway uh, to Heaven. Hmm. Yeah, Cashmere. Cashmere, yeah. Yeah, good times, bad times. Yeah, okay. Do they? Shoo, yeah. They have a thousand. Uh I'm a, I'm a yeah, pretty big fan of Led Zeppelin. Well, best he was like a, a singer harmonica player. It says. Oh, okay. So he wasn't like the front man or nothing. Uh, I think he was the like the singer. Oh. Yeah, John Paul Jones was a bass guitarist. Jimmy Page was a lead guitar. Of course, Jimmy Page is an icon on his own. Hmm. But, yeah, John Bonham was a drummer. Okay. Well, for the rest of the Grammys, best country song. Circle Around This Town. Again, Maren Morris. Somebody in the Grammys really thinks a lot of her. They also think a lot of Luke Combs because they nominated Doing This which I think is a great country song. I bet you think about it. That is uh, from Taylor Swift's album. If I Was a Cowboy by Miranda Lambert, which country radio has been blowing up. I'll Love You Till the Day I Die by Chris Stapleton and Rodney Crow. And then the very last, Mr. Matt Rogers and Ben Stennis, Till You Can't. Cody Johnson song. <laughs> yeah. Friend I, of the show, Matt Rogers. I, I have to say, 
next year, he's going to be able to introduce himself as Grammy Award-winning songwriter. Yeah. I'm putting my money on that song. You? I mean, he's up against some really good songs. Well, I'm going to say this. He's up against two other good songs. (laughs) Doing this and the Stapleton song. If I was a cowboy, it's okay. But I'm talking Grammy level. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's more political with the Grammys than it would be with the, you know, country music specific ones, but. And it may not even, it may not even win till you can't. Could be too country for the Grammys. Could be. But they did give one away to the Kentucky Headhunters. So. Yeah. But that was a different time. They have to give uh, a few awards to country music, you know, artists. Oh yeah. They have to. They don't yeah. have a choice because they have the, you know, those areas. But. Well, they could give the song to Taylor Swift, you know. Well, <laughs> She's going to yeah. win plenty, I'm sure. That is for sure. She's <laughs> already breaking records massively. Yeah. And, I mean, a little thing about Taylor Swift, she's extremely talented. She is. She's not a great singer. She's just a hell of a songwriter. She's well, a great songwriter. She's every girl's dream come true. And she, mm-hmm. i seen her open for Eric Church. She was very humble then. She was young, but I kind of feel like she just, she knew that she could be bigger than country, so she left it. And I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, and I feel like some of these artists kind of end up in country music because they're too risky to try the pop world when that's where they belong. I honestly wish we had another area, like, you got your old sound in country, like yeah. the artists we're talking about, and then you have modern country, right. and then they can do whatever they want to do. Right. But it's never going to go to that. No. You know? It won't. It's, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to go, it's... It's, it's going <clears> to <throat> keep evolving. Well, now you're going to hear you know, what all the labels want you to hear. That's it. Because they're just trying to make Until money. Until everybody quits buying it. But that, they're not going to quit buying it. That's why they keep doing it. It's less about the music now than it is about the money. It's all about the money. All about the it money. It used to not be like that. Yeah. It used to be kind of a little bit of money, a little bit of art. Yeah. And now it's less about the art and more about the money. And it's sad. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. That's where we live now. If you look. That's why when you go to the grocery store, you're spending about $60 more now than you were you know, three years ago. And, you know, I believe when we had the George Jones and Loretta Lynn error, I was talking to my grandmother about this. You know, that was a time when artists truly lived what they were singing about. I mean, they were so poor that you couldn't even imagine it now. I mean... Nowadays, being poor is a lot different than it was yeah. 40 years ago. Yeah, 40 years ago, if you were poor, you were poor. S- so skinny because yeah. you couldn't eat. Yeah. Now, now, if you're poor, you're really overweight because all you can eat is fast food. Yeah, or... Because it's cheap. Exactly that, or, mm. you know... Yeah, junk food because it's cheap. And and it doesn't make sense. You would think healthier food would be more affordable yeah. than 
fast food. Well, they don't teach kids how to grow food anymore. They, they don't teach kids how to save money either. They don't, they don't teach kids a lot. They don't teach them you know, much. It, that's one thing in school that I wish that they would change is, you know, they're too worried about, hey, let's decide on what gender you want to be. How about let's decide on how to fix your credit score? That's something I... That ought to be free. I never heard anything about that. Not a thing. Mm-mm. You know? I always heard my grandmother tell me that it'll be your lifeline, and yeah. I didn't believe her. Right. I didn't first, understand it. The, the first time that I could go finance a ring for the girl that I was dating, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is impressive. Yeah. And then we broke up, and I didn't want to pay the bill. Yeah. Because I was a stupid 18-year-old <laughs> kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I Anyways. understand that. I'll let you introduce the artist since I'm going to take a break this week and I'm going to let Jordan <laughs> take the wheel. You are in for a treat. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we ventured off into the bluegrass world. Little man that was born on October 3rd, 1992. He was born by the name of William Lee Apostle in Lansing, Michigan. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Strings. I ain't seen seven days, I haven't eaten three. Methamphetamine has got a damn good hold of me. My tweaker friends have got me to the point of no return. I just took the lighter to the bulb and watched it burn. This life of sin, it's got me. Well, it's got me back in prison once again. I use my only phone call to contact my daddy. You got 20 long years for some dust in a bag. Not every day you hear a bluegrass song talk about meth. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but so, if anybody knows about it, it's it's him. So how in the world did he come up with Billy Strings? Billy Strings, I'll get into it. Okay. It's later on in the in his uh, story, but so he was born in Lansing, Michigan. Um, he he was raised there at an earlier age. A little background on his uh, parents. His uh, you know, biological father died in 1994 of a heroin overdose when he was two. Um, his mother remarried a man by the name of Terry Barber. He was an accomplished amateur uh, bluegrass musician. Oh, so we have him to thank. Yes, we have him to thank. Um, let's see. Before we get ahead of ourselves, when he was born, the number one song on the radio at the time was End of the Road by Boys to Men. I own that album. Fantastic. Um, the the country song that was number one on the charts was you know, In This Life by Colin Ray. I remember that. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the Boys to Men one. Colin Ray's a great artist, too. Yeah. Oh, 90s artist. He is. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, Mr. Billy Strings calls you know, Terry Barber, his stepdad, you know, his actual father. He, you know, never knew his real father. Um, so when he has like to look at who raised him, he's got a funny quote later on, but uh, yeah, you know, Terry Barber was his dad, and his his dad had had his. You know, he had his rough areas. His mom did, too. Terry? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, 
So his family moved twice you know, during his uh, childhood. Yeah, uh, First, they moved to Moorhead, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Not too far away. No. And then to Muir, Michigan. So hmm. they moved. Uh, That's a big jump. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was from Michigan. He oh, just so moved they went back, back basically. On. Yeah, just a little you know, further away. Um, actually, he got his you know start in you know, music all across you know, Michigan. Um, so let's see, around eleven and twelve, his uh, parents became addicted to meth. Really? Yeah. Uh, he left his family's home at age thirteen, and then he began using you know really hard drugs as well kind of experiment because i mean that's all he'd known i guess so right that's kind of what happens yeah uh, usually the apple don't fall too far from the tree so and it's unfortunate but that's that's the way it goes a lot of times Uh, his family eventually yeah cleaned up and billy stopped using and drinking yeah shortly after they got clean um so it was a good, you know, good. family sobriety story. You know, they they yeah. all they all became sober at yeah. a certain point. Um, you know, and I believe some of that skips generations because both of my grandfathers were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. My dad, he's probably never drank a, a beer in his life. My mom's probably drunk five yeah. in her entire lifetime. <laughs> it skipped them destroyed me almost and yeah. I'm just hoping that it doesn't affect my kids but I'm thinking if it's on this trail will yeah. it be on my grandkids Yeah, and it'll be such a rougher area to fight drugs Yeah, when we have grandkids me and you I mean I think it's got to the point now where I don't know how anybody can yeah, you know, feel like they could experiment with anything. Well, yeah, and uh, well, the good thing is there's gonna there's more help now than there was then. Yeah, a lot. You know, and they're not you know pushing things as much as they were then either. No, but did you see where Bashir today in Kentucky? Uh, he finally did something to where you can have a medical license to have it, mm. like it's no problem. So. They were talking on the news like we may have dispensaries pop up. Oh, marijuana? Yeah. I didn't know what you thought. Okay. Yeah. Not meth. Right. <laughs> no. You know, speaking of meth, what idiot sat down and said, take all these 13 ingredients and mix them together? <laughs> I can I mean, tell you who. Who? The Germans. So they invented methamphetamine? I don't know if they invented it, but they're the ones who really started using it a lot. Because how yeah, do you the accidentally mix all that together and then come up with the drug meth? <clears throat> what they did, if you remember uh, World War II, the uh, Nazi scientists were top of the line. You didn't find a smarter group of scientists in the world. Hmm. They, I'm not sure why they were so advanced, but they were. Um, and that's why there's a little bit of a race at the end of World War II for all those little scientists to you know be able to use their expertise in other places like the majority of all of the nazi officers were you know, killed at the end of the war not the scientists if you look uh warner von braun they might sound familiar he was the lead scientist for a little group called nasa in the united states 
they brought a Nazi scientist over to head the space program in the United States. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Russia, they commandeered, I couldn't tell you how many scientists. The United States, it wasn't you know, just NASA. Like, yeah. they took their fair share of those scientists. And they're like, hey, this is what's going to happen. You know, you're going to forget about all the Nazi shit. You're going to come over here. You're going to work for the government. And this is your sentence. It's either that or we're going to kill you because we're not letting you go anywhere else. So that's what they did. And they lived a lush lifestyle. Some of them, some of them later got persecuted for past uh, war crimes. But for the most part, I mean, Warner Von Braun was a very bad person. Like he was a bad person. He used to kill the lazy or the you know, slowest working slave, which was at a, in a Jewish concentration camp you know, uh, during the Holocaust. The you know, I want to say the worker that was working, you know, the slowest, but they wasn't a worker. It was a slave. Yeah, he would uh, have them run, and you know, soldiers there at the camp would try to shoot him as he was running. Wow. And the one that hit him first would win some kind of prize. It was a game. See how sick them fucks were. Yes. (laughs) It was a game. So all of the other Jews there on site be like, you know, I got to work my ass off. Otherwise, they're going to send me out here and make me run until I get shot. Did you see that movie, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas? Yeah. How sad. Yeah. And can you imagine, like, the U.S. knew that this was going on for a little while before they jumped in. Right. Well, I if mean, you, if you if you really think about it, the United States was doing the same thing to the Japanese in California. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's not really talked about. It's not. It wasn't like to the extreme that it was in Germany. Like well, they didn't yeah. they didn't kill them, but they weren't living very nice. Like it was a concentration camp for sure. They just didn't kill him. But, uh. Well, speaking of NASA, do you believe we've been on the moon? Um. I don't know why we wouldn't have. I mean. I don't either. I mean, what do you gain by faking that? I, I feel like we've been there. I mean, some people say it's a space race. So they said they made it then so they could act like they did it before any other country. But, I mean, you know, Russia. I don't think it was long after that they went, but I don't know. It's I, just kind of a... I feel like we're living in a time where one of these billionaires are, are going to end up dead from a spaceship because everybody's trying it. Surprised it hadn't happened yet. I know. And I mean, I know we're more advanced now and we have more tools to do it, but that's some pretty scary shit, you know? Yeah, and that, that's a lot of unknown. Like, when you go into space... Yeah. And there's, like, so much shit that's exploded in space now that's floating around. So when you go out there, there's a really good chance you're going to get hit with some shrapnel that exploded 20 years ago. You know how many movies they've made about a meteor hitting us? And that could really happen. It happened to the dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have huge meteors that fly by all the time, and they don't talk about it. Yeah. We have a lot of small ones. It's not as big That's of a deal. That's because they want people to keep paying taxes. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, there was one a while back. Do you remember when that one, it was kind of close a while back, 
and the government or you know, NASA decided you know, they wanted to try to see if they could you know, <clears throat> change its path of travel. That sounds like Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, basically that's what it was kind of like, except you know, Independence Day they had to drill into it and then you know, plant yeah. the bomb. But this one, <clears throat> they were just going to hit it with a rocket in space. Sounds legit. I think they did it, but I don't know that. I don't know if it worked. Yeah. Well, obviously it did. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like coming like you know, directly towards. It was going really close. Right. That's why they were doing it, just to see if they could. If in the future, I think they're just trying to see if they could do it. Okay. He's like, "Hey, hold my beer. Let me see if I can get this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if I can Let get this meter. Let me see if I can shoot this with my forty cal." <laughs> It's, it's it's so stupid and like there's no telling how much that costs for them to do that you know oh, yeah. like a, a trillion dollars yeah it's so expensive for them to go into space once much less like go as much as they do i just don't see what you gain from it unless you can go to another planet and you can find like an element that we don't have here that we can use to our advantage like for travel or for i mean manufacturing anything yeah but why spend that much money? There's a lot of people suffering on this planet. There is. And not just could here. Fix they can fix everything. They can fix, fix anything. You I mean, know. you wouldn't have to worry about food. You wouldn't have to worry about shelter. It well, could be filled. It could be all fixed. I've said it before. I feel like, uh, like going to see a doctor. I mean, they need to be paid because that's something that they go to college to learn and master. Yeah. But it shouldn't be this hard. You know, you shouldn't have to have insurance. I feel like everybody should get the same level of care. Yeah, well, I really do. A lot of people go to you know, Canada and England and all that to get it. Yeah. Everybody gets the same. That's not true. You, If you spend extra money, you can get extra care yeah, in those places. But everybody gets the same care until you provide up the extra money. Yeah. And by doing that, yeah, you know, kind of makes you wait in a line. Like right now, I have a mole that I would like to get looked at. It's you know gradually getting bigger, which odds are means not very good. Like something's going on with it. Right. Um, it's a year before I can get in. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because. And you know. I mean, dermatology must not be that high of a pain. But I mean, he's he's booked up, or you know, yeah. she's booked up, whoever it is. But. Well, that's like a neurologist. It's like four months to get yeah. into them. Unless you go to the ER yeah. and they see something that's bad. Right. But, yeah, just keep suffering until I have time to see you. <laughs> yeah. I guess basically. we need to get back on to Billy Strings. Yeah. Kind of went down the rabbit hole. We did. So his father introduced him to bluegrass music after they all cleaned up. Um, I don't really know exactly what age that was. My guess is probably around 15, 16. Um, his father introduced him to Bill Monroe. Dale McQuarrie, Earl Scruggs, and Ralph Stanley, to name a few. Okay, so. he's straight up keeping it bluegrass. <laughs> yep, yep, he's a straight up bluegrass. So, and later on in his adolescence, his uh, you know, late you know, teenhood, he got into metal and rock. Um, he loved uh, Jimi Hendrix, The Grateful Dead, Fish, Black Sabbath. Uh, Def Leppard, and you know, the, I'm yeah, you know, cutting the list kind of short. That's just to name a few. He was uh, he was a real big fan of the jam bands, 
He was a real big fan of like the old like Jimi Hendrix. I mean, you know how he's a whole lot of instrumentals, a lot of you know ballads. He played a lot of ballads, um, and then he liked hard rock. So his name Billy Strings comes from his aunt. His aunt gave him the stage name Billy Strings, just because of his ability to play any instrument with strings. So it had a ring to it, so he kept it. Which hmm. it makes sense. I mean, yeah, because I don't see the other name being as impressive no. as this one. You <laughs> yeah. know, yeah, yeah, Billy Strings has got a got a ring for sure. I will say this, you know, when you told me that we were doing this. On the way home from work, I turned him on on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I used up all of my skip buttons. Oh, I yeah. just I couldn't find anything that I like. Now, the uh, the baggy song, mm-hmm. that was the first time that I ever heard him. Yeah. And I like that because I can kind of relate to that mm-hmm. just a tad, you know? Yeah. It's bluegrass. And I don't know about you, but like the first time I ever heard bluegrass, my dad was, oh, or, yeah. you know, is a Freemason, and every summer they would have a barbecue, mm-hmm. and we would go to the lodge, and they would play. They'd always have a band on the stage, and they'd always be playing bluegrass, but it was all gospel music. Like, yeah. but, but you could still get it, you know, down to it. Like, you know, there was always a few older people, you know, dancing, flat footing, you know, really out there getting it, and to hear the the subject matter that he was talking about in a, in a bluegrass song was yeah. really it was really something that I hadn't experienced before but I'm here for it I like it yeah I, I do like too it. I agree you know um speaking of bluegrass and stepdads my stepdad he he was big on that and his dad was big on bluegrass and as a child they drug me to bluegrass festivals mm-hmm. and I never realized how big of a market bluegrass is yeah I mean, you're not, Billy Strings is probably not going to have the Morgan Wallen chicks hanging at the front of the stage. No. But he's going to be well respected and probably well paid. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, he's not going to you know, have a need for much no, you know, I don't with think his talent. So I mean, Already he, at this point. He's a know? good singer, but more than anything, man, he's a master with his hands. It, like, he, on those instruments... He really is Billy Strings. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's sure. he's a master with, you know, picking anything. So, let's see, 2012, he, um, let's see, I guess he is 20 years old then. He formed a duo, uh, you know, a duo, I guess is like the way you should say it, with, you know, Don Julin. He's a mandolin player and author. He was also from Michigan. Don Julian was. And he had a family up there, so he wasn't going anywhere else. He was just going to stay in Michigan. So uh, he you know, met you know, Billy. You know, I think they were playing open mics maybe or something. Or he was playing with this other band at the time. He met him. He was like, all right, you want to play with me? So they played for, I think, four years that you know, played. If you want to pull up the, uh, is this the song right here? Yeah, Cocaine Blues there. Okay, there it is. This is the one he did with Don Julian.
Sniffing that cocaine all over town Honey, don't let my deal go down Hey, hey, buddy, let cocaine be It was made for horses, not for men Doc said it kill you, but he didn't know when Hey, hey, buddy, let cocaine be Well, tell it to me, tell it to me Let the cocaine be. You know, that's pretty impressive because when you told me Cocaine Blues, you thought it was a Johnny Cash song. I did. Yeah. I thought that he was gonna do a cover, mm. but this right, this is pretty good. Yeah. That, I did not hear that one. Before. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of bluegrass, in a weird way. It's not like something I listen to all the time. But you can tell when somebody has a whole lot of talent. And I love, I, I can't play the guitar. I can't play the banjo. I can't play the mandolin. I can't play the dobro. I can't play any of it. But I can respect when somebody can. And that man. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> like just watching his hands. Yeah, it's it's not hard for him to do. No. That is for sure. Yeah. He does it flawlessly, you know. Yeah. And like, I would have trouble. I would have to watch my my fingers the whole time, and I would I would forget to sing. You know, when I was learning to play guitar, I used Granny Grace would tell me she's like, just go with it. Don't look at where your fingers are. Right. And there's really something in your brain, I think, like with musicians, to where it's just kind of a habit that goes into place. It's right. like hitting a hammer with a nail. Yeah. You do it long enough. And yeah. those fingers are going to go right where they need to be. That's true. Did you ever play long enough to where you got calluses? No. Mm-mm. Man, I used to love those. I would go to school <laughs> and just pick mm-hmm. at, at the top of my fingers. Yeah, of course they're not like that now. I probably right. pick the guitar up twice a year. Yeah. I need to do that more because my oldest daughter mm-hmm. is playing keyboards, yeah. drums, and she asked for a guitar for Christmas. Yeah. You know how cool that is? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I'm really hoping my you know, boys get into into playing music. There's I'll nothing to, like it. I'll have to send them somewhere else to get, you know, lessons. But, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only bad part about it. But, so... To get back to Mr. Billy Strings, he was featured in the Rolling Stone in 2017 as a top 10 country new artist you need to know. Uh, also in 2018, he was also spotlighted in the Rolling Stone. Um, it was you know, talking about his upcoming tour. That was kind of where the world started to really find out who Billy Strings was or is. Um, he's performed with uh, Dirks Bentley. And about a thousand other people. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I looked at the I've list, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going through all that." But uh, he's performed in almost every uh, music festival that you can imagine. 
even he was even featured on Austin City Limits on PBS. You know, I seen where he did his uh, Opry debut with uh, Dust and the Baggy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guarantee you, there's been some Dust and the Baggy in the backstage at the Grand Old Opry. I guarantee you there's been some in a pocket on stage at the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, I like that version of him not saying that I feel like he should be a drug addict or sing more about drugs, but I feel like from the songs that I listened to riding in the car home, mm-hmm. I just couldn't connect with nothing. And right. then when he sung that, it felt more real. Yeah. Like, okay, I can really listen to this story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his version of you know, Cocaine Blues, which, I mean, it's his version. But the first time I heard that, it's it's been a couple of years since I heard that. Yeah. But I'd forgot who did it yeah. until I started listening like to this again. Like, oh, yeah, I know that song. So I enjoyed it the first time I heard it. But it's uh, it's one of those... I don't know what it is, but when an artist you know, talks about something that's kind of forbidden, you know, like that, it kind of makes them more human, you know? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And it also reminds me of uh, it, what I was thinking when I was listening to him driving down the road. This thought come across my mind, and I hope this doesn't just throw us in a loop, but... Why is Morgan Wallen famous? Is it because the world told us not to like him? Or is it because he's talented? I just wonder, like, would he be this famous had that not happened? Had what not happened? Had he not said what he said? I mean, I think he was already on his way. You think so? Yeah. I mean, Whiskey Glasses did explode. He had a few songs that went big. Yeah, well, not really till that point. Right. That was the song. I just wonder, like, would he have that momentum? Because you have somebody like Billy Strings here, mm-hmm. who is very talented, yeah. who could probably write a song just hanging out at a, at oh, a yeah, barbecue and it, and it sound great. Yeah. But you don't have the people flocking to him, yeah. like a guy that works at a gas station. Right. I don't know. Like somebody who looks like a guy <laughs> works at the gas station. Yeah. Um, Which there's nothing wrong with people working at gas no, stations. No. It's just like sometimes when you go to certain gas stations, you did sometimes certain times of the night. Yeah. You, you can you can tell they've had a rough life. Yeah. And maybe yeah. some of it on their own yeah, doing, and maybe sometimes it's just life happens. Yeah. And but. That's no judgment. I've been through hell. Yeah, you've been through hell. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through it. It's I got the t-shirt. How you rise from the ashes, like the phoenix. Yep. So, and on September twenty second, two thousand seventeen, uh, Mr. Strange released his album uh, "Turmoil and Tinfoil." It topped out at number three on the U.S. Bluegrass chart, number 18 on the U.S. Heat Seekers chart. Um, and also, I guess I should add, he is signed by you know, Rounders Records. I have no idea if that's a big 
Never heard of. Yeah, it's got to be kind of small, I guess. Um, he now lives in Nashville. Um, he talked about just move. I I listened to a podcast he did. I can't remember who he did it with. Uh, some yeah, folks I'd never heard of, but he talked about yeah moving down there right before the tornadoes hit. Yeah, I think he'd been there just for like a couple weeks, and it was right before COVID. Um, that's scary. I think yeah, tornadoes hit like two blocks away from you know his apartment or whatever. And he was dating yeah some girl then. I'm not sure if he if he yeah still is or I don't even know if he's married. Honestly, I didn't see it anywhere. But uh, yeah, he said he looked outside. And it sounded like it was getting rough. And his girlfriend was like, what's it like outside? He's like, oh, it's fine. I'll just go to bed. And they woke up the next morning to find, you know, <clears throat> roofs off houses that they could see from their, their window. <laughs> right. It was so close that he just, he said, and it was just a few days of just walking around helping people pick the pieces of their life. So. Wow. At that point, he was basically a, a Nashvilleian because I mean, Nashville's been through a lot, man. They've had floods, yeah. they've had tornadoes, they've had a bombing. You remember the bomb? Yes. It's I mean, it was on New Year's Day, yeah, wasn't it, or New Year's Eve? Or it was something. one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild, man. They, they've had a lot of, for lack of a better term, shit happen there. Yeah. But it's a pretty close knit community, I think. Like, as far as the artists go, I'm sure not all of them talk to each other, but a lot of them have their own cliques. Yeah. And then you have a lot of folks who, you know, know, lived in Nashville their entire life, and they're always going to take care. But then you have a whole lot of hipsters that have moved in from California and all those places. That is very true. Because there's no income tax. So they're taking advantage of that, and it is overflowing with people. Like, the whole state of Tennessee is overflowing right now. Here's my thoughts. If I, I don't know if I would have wanted to go to Nashville. Like if I was, if I was twenty now, and it the Nashville's the way that it is. Okay, the good part is you have social media, so you put a song out, you mm. gain a lot of fans without having to do the legwork. There is tons of kids nowadays who will make a vi- a music video for you for a little bit of nothing. Yeah. And back when I was in school, music videos were like paying for a car. You know, they were yeah. very expensive. Right. You know, so I see the good and the bad of moving down there now. But then again, the rent is so high. It's How lot. can anybody <laughs> afford to chase their dreams and pay rent? Unless you do what Lainey Wilson did, and you live in an RV for yeah, 10 years. You could, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she did. <laughs> so it's very possible. Speaking of her, what did you think of her debut performance on Yellowstone? Um, it, I mean, it was short-lived. Very short-lived. I think, like, from my understanding, she's going to be around for a little bit, right? Well, see, I didn't think so, and I made a comment on TikTok, and I was corrected because they did an interview with her, yeah. and she states to where she's in multiple episodes. I think, you remember when, yeah, market equities were you know, talking about they're going to bring in somebody? Yeah. You thought I think, it was I her? I think it's her. Who? You know, <clears throat> Lainey Wilson's character. I don't think she could ever hold her own with Beth. I mean, she's a country-sounding artist. 
Mm-hmm. She's probably got some smart remarks, but Beth is a angel bitch. I mean, this is a show. Yeah, but still, <laughs> it's scripted. Still, even if it is scripted, I don't know. I don't think Laney'd with her. Even if it is scripted, that wouldn't make any sense. It depends on how they depict her, and they depicted her like she was a hard ass. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Them shooting fucking wolf. I was like, how the fuck are they going to cover this up? When they shoot a wolf. Did you watch two hours worth or just the first episode? I didn't watch. I guess I watched till the credits came. What's the last thing you remember happening? Uh, it was right after. Uh, I'm trying to think, man. I don't even remember. Uh, Did it, you fall asleep? No, I, I watched it till the credits. Did came you see on. what happened to Casey's wife? Yeah, the wreck. That's that's basically the end of it. Is what I seen. Like they're laying then in the hospital. Then you haven't watched episode two yet. I thought it was a, a, a two They hour released episode. a two hour premiere, yeah. which is episode one and two back to back. Oh, then no, so I didn't. So then after the wreck, they're in the hospital. Did you see any of that? I saw it in the hospital, yeah. But he's just laying in a bed with her. And, okay, that's yeah. the start. And John Dutton came by. It ends with him shooting the wolf. And they put in the tag in the creek. You didn't see none of that? Didn't see that. Mm-mm. Well, anyways, you will eventually. <laughs> I guess. I feel like you may have fell asleep. I didn't fall asleep. Well, that's that's the last thing that happens. Oh, okay. Anyways, what'd you think of the premiere? I, mean, I thought it was all right. I think we're going in a direction to where they're trying to make it more okay for him to possibly set himself up to losing the farm. I think they're trying to make him not seem like such a dumbass. Because up to this point, he's basically a dumbass for trying to save all that land, and he's not helping his family out at all. His family's all suffering. They're, he could set them all up for the rest of their lives. They're... You know, their kids, their grandkids, he could do all that. But instead, he's being extremely selfish. Although he's, you know, you know keeping his word to you know, his uh, father and his grandfather. I understand that. Here's my but there's thought. But you got you to be smart about it. That's been I, really I stupid. think he could keep 100 acres for the rest of their bloodline, and, and his dad would have been okay with that. You know, the cemetery, you know, because if you watch 1883, they ended up on that land because somebody died in the family on that land. And, of course, he staked it off, and he said, this is it. But from what you're telling me, we're talking 35,000 acres. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, enough to be a whole county (laughs) in Kentucky, you know. Mm -hmm. That's massive. It's huge. You know. But then again, I feel like if he wants to keep it forever, how is that being selfish? Because who would want another fucking airport? You got to think about all the other people who live in Montana who need jobs. And yeah. what are they going to do? It's not his fault. <laughs> no. But ultimately, what's going to happen is they're going to build it somewhere. 
and his land. I mean, we're sitting here talking about a fictitious thing. I know. <laughs> and like, but, I mean, like but it's in real, reality, real life. Like, I see the history part of something. Like, I'm in this home that we're recording this in, mm-hmm. and my grandparents yeah. bought it in 1965. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be great if I'm sitting in it in 2065. Okay. That's 100 years. Yeah, I have I have a, a you know hypothetical for you. Okay. Let's say you know, Cave City explodes and like there is just a huge boom. They had a lot more jobs. They had a whole lot of stuff going on. And the city and the county decide they want to do a whole lot of building up and they want to add stuff yeah, uh, to Cave City. And they come to you and they're like, hey, we want your lot that your house is on. We'll give you... Yeah, four million dollars. Yeah, for that area. And I mean, obviously, the land that you live on and your house don't is not worth four million dollars. But they're going to give it to you just so they can have it to build, and they're going to do it to the you know your neighbors and everybody else. Are you going to tell them no? As long as I possibly could, yeah. Just because I've I've. I've made promises to people who helped put me in this house. And this house is by no means the perfect house. And if I had a true normal brain, I should have bulldozed it down and started over. But there's a part of history that I don't want to be the one to fuck it up. I can understand that. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, Yeah, I would love to trade this house into your house. (laughs) You always say that. But I I can't. I, I would feel like a coward if I done that. But it would be very hard. Yeah. It would be very hard because I struggle with keeping this some bitch standing up. I'm <laughs> telling you. I'll just tell you, if somebody comes up to me and they're like, hey, we'll they give did. you Well, that's wasn't enough. <laughs> it wasn't enough. But it it's gotta be they're gonna have to add an extra zero if they want to get it. But <laughs> You know, it's got to be in the millions. And yeah. but if they did, yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, you can, you can have it. We'll just, you know, start over somewhere else. All right, we better, <laughs> we better get back on track. Yeah, we went real sidetracked tonight. Very. Um. So second album, September twenty seventh, uh, twenty nineteen. He released the album Home. It, it topped out number forty one on the country chart, number eleven on the folk, number one on the bluegrass, number one on the Heat Seekers. Since he reached number one on the Heat Seekers, he wasn't on it ever again. Uh, Renewal was his uh, third solo album, September 24, 2021. Reached number four on the folk, number nine on the country, and number one on the bluegrass again. So, a little bit of a little bit of momentum there. Everybody's starting to get a good idea who Billy Strings is and what he does. Um, if you want to go ahead and play this clip. This came off the album Home.
If you notice in a lot of his songs, he goes out in these these little you know solos, you know instrumental solos, like where it's just yeah, it's all him you know, picking. He's he's got a lot of psychedelic music, and I I I've like psychedelic that. music. I'm good on it. Like I like it. And you know, Sturgill, yeah, with that one album, he did it a lot. Um, I'm just I don't know what it is. It's kind of like they're they're broadening their uh you know artistry by by adding in a whole nother dimension that a lot of especially country artists are not going to touch because they think that it's not going to relate with the common fan and it might not right but it's going to connect with some people like me yeah i feel like that's when you're truly a sellout when you're too scared to do what you want to do yeah you know yeah and that's i mean it a lot of times it you know goes back to you know sturgill but that's why he's one of the greatest country artists ever, in my opinion, because he's done everything he's wanted to do. Yeah. And he's still out there doing what he wants to do. And I, I don't know if he's done or not. I think he might be, but I don't know. We'll see. Yep. So he did a few uh, collaborations. Um, it was Rock of Ages with uh, Don Julin in 2013. That was an album they did. Uh, Fiddle Tune X in 2014 with Don Julin as well. And then he released a collaboration with his uh, stepdad, Terry Barber. It's called Me and Dad. And in that uh, collaboration, he got interviewed by a radio station. I don't know if it was a radio station or a magazine. I can't remember. I, I read it. But um, his quote was, he said, Terry raised me and taught me how to wipe my ass, tie my shoes, and play guitar. That's my fucking dad. Wow, <laughs> that's his, that was his quote. That's pretty good. So I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> take the good, you take the bad. But the man taught him a lot of important things in life, and ultimately they all defeated their addictions, their yeah turmoils, their strife, and look at what yeah you know, Billy Strings has become. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's uh. I, I definitely respect him more. Yeah. I don't, you know, I didn't, uh, from the few songs that I've heard on my own, I, I wasn't impressed. But right. when we sat down and really looked at the other songs mm-hmm. and I heard him pick it live, yeah. I mean, anybody that can do that, you got to respect them. Yeah. You know, See, he's my country. Thing, yeah, he is. He's, he's country. Uh, in the you know, interview that I heard, he was, I had talked about going to a Tool concert at uh, Bridgestone Arena. He went to a Tool concert, and he took shrooms before he went. <laughs> he was talking about how freaky, you know, Maynard was up on stage. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the you know, front man for Tool. But it was, 
it was just funny hearing his little story. He just loves music. He loves yeah. music. He loves watching people play. You know, he said in that interview, he was like, uh, he said, one of my favorite things is, you know, say you, you know, you know, play at a bar down there for a little while and your set's over with and you're walking you know, to your vehicle. Every place you walk by on Broadway, you know, somebody is in there. It could be one of the, you know, the best musicians in the entire city. And everybody is just looking at them like they're just another, you know, gig. Oh, yeah. You know, but there's all that talent that's up and down on Broadway in Nashville. He said the first time he experienced it, he was in awe. Yeah, it's because impressive. You don't see it shit in Michigan, he said. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have some musicians, you know, in Michigan, he said, but I wanted to move to Nashville because I wanted you know, uh, to be around other pickers. He said, and now that I'm down here, I'm so busy that I don't get to pick. But, wow. yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, he's seen that he had to do it if he wanted to take the next step in his career. Yeah. And if you're going to be a musician, you, you, you basically have to. You don't have to, but you should. Yeah. I think you I should. I agree. But, I mean, I don't really have any other information on him. Um, I like picking people that aren't, yeah, really well known. Like he's not on the radio. Um, you're not gonna hear him on the radio. You're not gonna hear him yeah, you know, talked about on all the you know, shows. I mean Bobby Bones, I don't know if he talks about him. I don't no. listen, I don't watch Bobby Bones, but He sure don't. Um but yeah, I mean he's a, a fantastic artist. He's a great musician. He's a pretty good singer. I mean, I was just aware with his you know, skills on uh, banjo and a guitar i wasn't really aware of his uh singing ability he's not bad at all he's not but i, I would say i would put him at like 3.25 mm-hmm. just because i you know i'm he's, he's still young you yeah, know he's, and he's got a lot more to do and i feel like he's gonna be one of those artists that eventually end up you know he's gonna play on a lot more people's records yeah i feel like i think so too yeah, he did the song with Luke Combs. Um, you know, Where he great didn't divide. sing at all. Yeah, he just played. Yeah. But he was on the... So, I mean, he's getting around there with, you know, big artists. I think eventually he will make it onto the radio. I don't know what it's going to take. It's going to have to take a special song that yeah. is you know, radio friendly. And, <laughs> and I'd say he'll be introduced as, uh, you know, like a guest. Mm-hmm. You know. Like a featured song. Yeah, yeah. You know. I can see that. But, I mean, he's... I, <clears throat> you know, If you look now, like when he's on tour, he sells out everywhere he goes because yeah. he's got a big fan base. I just wanted to see what all the hype was about, you know, because yeah. I, I wasn't all that familiar with him. I'd heard a few things, but I, w- I didn't really know a lot. So that's why I said, hey, I want to I do Billy Strings. He's pretty so, good. Yeah, I'm glad I did. I like when I do that. When I, you know, research somebody I, I don't know a lot about. I'm like, man, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Billy Strings. I'm gonna give him a 2.5 just because he's only you know 30. Yeah, he's got you know, 30 more years of music to make. Uh, he's young. Man, he's got talent on anything with strings. You know, hence the name, but. 
I look forward to seeing what he does in the future. I mean, I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm impressed. He doesn't have like the huge bangers, but yeah, he's yeah. gonna be around for a while. So as long as he stays sober and keeps picking, that's all we can yeah. expect. Yeah, you know, basically, that's the truth. Well, uh, thank you, folks. Uh, remember to like, share, follow, rate, review, and keep your eye out and your ear to the ground for the next episode. This here podcast was prepared and accomplished by the Country Music Critic. The views and opinions expressed on the Country Music Critic are not necessarily those of the guests, sponsors, or anyone associated with the production of this here podcast. The Country Music Critic releases itself from all misrepresentation. Any information shared on this podcast was researched and obtained using the World Wide Web, a.k.a. the interweb. Comments made on the Country Music Critic are meant to be informative, comical, or just plain silly, and not meant to defame, asperse, Calumniate, slander, traduce, vilify, or be malign in any way. Why do you boys consistently make me say all them tough words? Don't like it. Thanks for joining us on the Country Music Critic, and we'll catch y'all next time.